0: Hey, welcome to Plugged In, Con Edison's podcast where we explore everything related to energy. I'm your host, Sydney Alvarez. Before we get started with today's topic, a quick check of the weather. Here's a look at your five-day total solar irradiance, the TSI forecast. Looks like more of the same, folks. Today, no minor or greater solar radiation storms are expected, and solar radiation is below S-scale storm threshold. Radio blackout over the next three days is about 1%. But then, a transequatorial coronal hole will be facing Earth, and that means enhanced solar winds could arrive by, say, Friday. We'll, of course, stay on top of it. Let you know about the weekend. What? No, that doesn't sound like the usual weather forecast, unless we're talking about space and space weather. Okay, now wait a minute. You may be asking yourself, what does space weather have to do with how my energy gets delivered in New York City and Westchester County? Well, I'm going to tell you. In our world, all weather, from what's going on here in New York City, on Earth, and all the way out into space, begins with our star, the sun. And if you're like me, you don't want things like the inability to charge your phone and not be able to update your Instagram stories because you have no power. Can space weather really do this? Now I'm not a meteorologist, but I do work with one. So let's find out what's going on and how Con Edison's got your back. Mike Berlinger, he's the utility's resident meteorologist. So Mike, what is space weather? So the sun goes through
1: cycles where it outputs energy and it's not always constant. And it's something that we pay attention to because the amount of energy or how drastic the output is can have a real big effect on what goes on down here on the planet. It's basically space physics where we're we're watching what the sun is doing. And when it spits out something, we have to predict where it's going and and how bad it's going to be.
0: Okay, so the sun plays the lead role.
1: Yes, and small changes that happen on the sun, which happen all the time, affect weather in space and on planet Earth. Uh, The weather we experience here on the Earth's surface, uh, rain or shine, the sun is ultimately calling the shots.
0: Can space weather patterns be predicted?
1: It's really one of these things where we're not going to know that the sun is going to output something beforehand. We watch as it outputs and then we predict after the fact. So it's not like weather where we know we we know all the processes and we have math and physics that help us to try to predict what's happening with the weather. With the sun, we don't know when it's going to output, but we can watch when it happens and then after it happens we can project where is it going to go, when's it going to hit, how bad's it going to be. We, we've only had satellites looking at the Earth since the 70s, and, and then satellites looking at the sun even later. So there's still a lot that we can observe and learn, and then use that to then help in the future to maybe help predict. But uh, we, I wouldn't say we're behind, it's just we have a lot more to learn.
0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Liftoff of the mighty Delta IV heavy rocket with NASA's Parker Solar Probe, a daring mission to shed light on the mysteries of our closest star, the Sun. Just last month, NASA launched the first spacecraft whose mission is to reach the Sun, or at least get pretty darn close to it without burning up. It's called the Parker Solar Probe, named after Eugene Parker. The probe will be traveling towards and within the space vicinity of the Sun for seven years. I love that NASA folks refer to the mission as endless day because of the sunshine all the time. But, Mike, explain the purpose.
1: Yeah, sure. In in the 1950s, Eugene Parker, who, by the way, is now 91 years old and watched the NASA launch, made a big breakthrough. Scientists have known that the sun's corona, the atmosphere around the sun, is hotter than the sun's surface. Think of it as a campfire that feels hotter the further away you stand from it. Parker figured out that the corona is not a static halo, so to speak. It's more like a stream of material uh, coming up from the star itself. It can be thick and slow, or it can take off and break from the sun's gravity. And when that happens, the stuff can shoot out faster than the speed of sound. That's a solar flare, and it shoots far enough it can hit an object or like a planet or like Earth. So just last
0: week, we, the Con Edison system, we actually received an alert. Similar to like when we have... Um Hurricane warnings, or you know, some type of uh, emergency that could be taking place. It wasn't the type of flare
1: with strength and strength and severity to where it was going to impact anything terrestrial, meaning the power grid or or communications. At least that I read. It was essentially how much energy was coming towards the planet that was then going to interact with the planet. And the main talking points, at least in the notices I read, was talking about. The expansion of where people could see auroras and the northern lights. Uh, because the more energy that interacts with our magnetic, uh, our, our electromagnetic uh, field, mm-hmm. the more you can see auroras.
0: Let's bring in another Con Edison expert, Sergo Sagarelli. He's Con Edison's senior engineer in our research and development department, and he's heading up a project that involves space weather, solar flares the need to protect the electric grid infrastructure. Hey, Sergo, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. You know, this has been happening, I think of a, of an event that happened in 1859, but you were telling me that, you know, even there's even earlier uh, records of this, right?
2: Absolutely. Auroras were observed back in 600 BC, and it's reflected in the book of Ezekiel in the Bible. There's also mentioning of auroras around the Rome by poet Seneca who lived in 37 BC
0: what happened in 1859 exactly
2: well the reason why 1859 made the history is it was the first time when electrical equipment was affected by solar flares and people realized it it was telegraph equipment that was damaged and uh, some people were even injured by arc flashes produced by telegraph equipment.
0: So it's amazing. So we're, we're talking about telegraph equipment in 1859, but then there's also a string of other dates. 1921, 1940,
2: 1989, 2003, 2013. 1921 was uh, signal equipment that was affected uh, in New York, on New York Railroad.
0: In 1940?
2: 1940, it was the, the magnetic storm caused effects in the power system that uh, was studied by Con Edison's R&D and its director, Davidson, wrote the paper that was published in Edison Electric Institute.
0: So, w- let's establish first, what exactly happens, these solar flares take place, what is physically happening to the Earth? Millions
2: of tons of charged particles travel from the sun to the Earth, hit Earth's magnetic field, and the magnetic field starts to collapse and uh, mm-hmm. extend and uh, reverberate. And, and uh, is
0: that what causes or is that what impacts the electrical system? Yes, okay.
2: and uh, changing magnetic field causes electric currents in all conductive long
0: conductors. Okay, great. So we've established what physically happens to our electrical system. So let's go back. There was another significant event in 1989 involving Canada. What was this?
2: Well, the whole province of Canada was in dark for more than 9 hours because solar storm caused power system collapse.
0: So let's try to paint a visual picture to our listeners. What are we doing to to monitor this?
2: This is all about uh, getting better knowledge to protect our system and uh, install monitoring equipment, which we did back in 2013. Uh, We also developed um, a procedure for system operators, what to do in case of solar system, and installed special sensors that monitor DC currents because that's the main indication of solar storm in progress. Our system operators know what to do. They're
0: to. pretty much kind of controlling the flow of, of how much energy is being outputted, right? Is that how it's yes, working? Yes,
2: they are deloading the transformers that are vulnerable during the solar storms and uh, they can even disconnect them altogether mm-hmm. if uh, they can't uh, deload them enough.
0: Obviously our system is running incredibly well, so we're doing something right.
2: Well, I really love my job and uh, it is really good feeling to be able to protect such a large power system
0: well, Sergo, I'm definitely glad that you are here studying our geomagnetic disturbances and keeping all of us here in the Con Edison Service Territory safe. Thanks for having me on. That's our show. If you have a story, idea, or thoughts about the program, you can send an email to podcast at coned.com. I'm your host, Sidney Alvarez. Thanks for joining us, and until next time.